2: Christmas to you and your family from all of us here at Box to Row. So we've got a lot to get to on today's program. Congratulations to South Carolina State and its victory over Jackson State in the Celebration Bowl 31 to 10. 2.6 million people watched that game on ABC on last Saturday and that that was a lot of people to watch that game and I think it was the most what the most that the game has been watched ever you had almost 50,000 in attendance right and that was the maximum that was allowed it was just a it it, it was it was just great it was great to see it watched it on TV was the first celebration bowl that I did not attend and uh, it was it was a it was a dominating performance by South Carolina State we're going to get into that on today's program We're going to get into the final box to row coaches and media polls today. Been hearing a lot of talk, been reading a lot on on uh, on specifically Twitter with respect to the claiming of the HBCU national champion and all of those things. And how could you know, you have a lot of people that think South Carolina State should have been number one in the polls you think a lot of and and I'm talking specifically with the coaches you think have a lot of people that still think that Jackson State should have been number one I mean I can see both sides of of that really although and then some that say maybe Florida A&M should have been uh, number one my thing and then if you look at the media poll Bowie State should have been number one which by the way in the media poll in the final HBCU media poll Bowie State uh, was number one followed uh, by South Carolina State and you have all of these different scenarios. This is what I would say uh, with respect to the coaches' poll, because the coaches' poll only ranks FCS HBCUs. We can talk about Jackson State beating FAM, and then South Carolina State beating Jackson State, and then FAMU beating Jackson State. So you could make an argument for FAM, and plus FAMU made the playoffs. You can make an argument for FAM from that perspective. Can make an argument for Jackson State because it ultimately beat FAM who beat South Carolina State. Forget about all of that. At the end of the day, to me, and you can look at the record and, and that's fine, right? South Carolina State 6-5 coming into that game, 7-5 overall right now. At the end of the day, South Carolina State beat the number one team at the time in HBCU football. And by the way, Jackson State had been the number one team in HBCU football for the majority of the season. So all of that, he beat him and they beat them, to me goes out of the window. And whoever won that game would be national champs. And ultimately, it was South Carolina State. And the coaches thought as much by a wide margin. And in the media poll, it was very close. And Bowie State, I think, deserved it. You look at Bowie State, I mean, I, I probably, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Bowie State definitely deserved it. I mean, whether I would have gone with Bowie State or South Carolina State, you definitely could have made an argument. And that's some of the challenges when you, don't, when you have teams that don't play each other and all of those kind of things. I mean, you can look at common opponents also. You could say, well, Bowie lost to Delaware State. South Carolina State beat Delaware State. It's fine. I think Bowie deserved it, won a couple of games in the playoffs, made it to the quarterfinals, won its third straight CIAA, Championship, right? Two losses on the season. Congratulations to both Bulldogs, Bowie State and South Carolina State, both national champs. And of course, you can see the uh, see the final polls on our website at com. So I want to talk about the game. Uh, I want and also today on the program we begin our countdown or uh, not our countdown to kick off, we actually begin our year-end review show. So our year-end review show. So we're going to play some, uh, replay some of the great interv- uh, conversations that we had with some of the, our great guests over the span of 2021. And I think today we're going to go January through June. January through June today. And by the way, speaking of South Carolina State, Joining us today here on Box to Row, South Carolina State head football coach Buddy Pugh going to join us on the program. So excited about that. Hadn't had uh, Coach Pugh joined us uh, maybe in the spring. He joined us in the spring. Uh, we hadn't had a chance to talk with him uh, up until this point. I had a chance to, to kind of converse with him a little bit prior to the a and South Carolina State game uh, in November. Uh, but it's going to be good to have him back on the show and get his perspective on South Carolina State's victory over Jackson State in the Celebration Bowl. So have laid the table out. If you want to join us on the conversation today, there's there's been a thread going on on our uh, Twitter page uh, because on Sunday we said, okay, we, we're releasing the final HBCU coaches and media polls on tomorrow. The voters are going to vote. And we'll see who the champions will be. And, I mean, people were still talking about, you know, UCF and how UCF claimed its own national championship. I think that was in reference to uh, what Florida A&M did going back to the 2019 season. I mean, it just went back and forth. And, you know, at least as of Wednesday, it was still, I mean, people were still, even after the release of the polls, of the final HBCU polls, people were going back and forth uh, about that so it was interesting and I, and I had a chance to look it's just interesting banter interesting conversation I'm all good with having uh, good conversations uh, when people and you know how Twitter is and that when people start to get you know, disrespectful and all that kind of stuff I shut that I don't even I don't even worry about that because I'm not it's, not it's not what we do <laughs> you know with respect to Twitter I mean, I mean you know, we, you can, we can agree to disagree we can disagree when you start name calling I, I don't get into all that um, but it is interesting conversation from some of the things uh, that I've seen on Twitter with respect to the final rankings. So you can jump on, on Twitter at box to row B O X T O R O W. You can hit me up on my personal Instagram page at D one at D one. Thank you to our wonderful affiliates around the country that carry box to row. Those that listen to us, on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM Channel 84 and those that listen to us around the world at box2row.com. So with respect to the football game, and it you know, it it was a dominating performance by South Carolina State. Said it right here last week on the show. If South Carolina State could play elite defense, which it ultimately did, if it could run the football a little bit, try to get something in the passing game, right? And I, I knew, again, Jackson State didn't have much of a running game coming in, and I also alluded to it last week. Shador Sanders is a freshman still, right? Hadn't played in a big game like that, of that magnitude, right? It's different. It is different. South Carolina State showed out, uh, and quite frankly, uh, I think, that Jackson State, South Carolina State, outcoached Jackson State in this football game. If you watched the football game, you would know that. And I also spoke about the years and the coaching staff that Buddy Pugh had. And all of those things uh, factored into this football game, Um, ultimately. uh, You know, I I also talked last week uh, about uh, Shaq Davis, right? Three touchdown receptions in the game. Corey Fields wasn't great but he was good enough. He had four touchdown passes in the game, right? So I mean, listen, it, it was it was it was really a dominating performance. And, and by the way, I also did a column in, in, in a lot of talk about the MEAC and only six football playing teams and only eight teams. And the MEAC is getting ready to go under and all of those things, a and Florida AM and Bethune-Cookman left and now the sky is falling, right? No, not at all, right? And you see where South Carolina uh, State, well, the MEAC showed that it it opened the season with a win. North Carolina Central's win over Alcorn State, closed the season with a win. South Carolina State's win over Jackson State. So the MEAC isn't quite dead. As a matter of fact, I think this helps the MEAC, uh, you know, with recruiting maybe some other schools. We've talked about that. So I don't think the MEAC is going anywhere. And what you have to also remember is that the MIAC is financially solvent financially. So that makes all the difference in the world. Okay. Uh, so, you know, Miak's not definitely not going, uh, anywhere anytime soon. So with respect to the final ballot, and by the way, again, as a reminder, Buddy Pugh the head football coach at South Carolina state's going to join us on the program in the next segment. Okay. Uh, you had in the coaches poll where South Carolina State moved from number five to number one. Okay, beat Jackson State. By the way, South Carolina State. We there were let's see, uh, there are twenty-one HBCUs that play in FCS, and there were seventeen of, of the schools voted. Right, thirteen voted for South first place for South Carolina State. Three voted. Uh, three first place votes for Jackson state and two first place votes for Florida A&M ultimately, but it went one through five, uh, one was South Carolina state two Jackson state, three Florida A&M 4 Prairie view A&M five, Alabama A&M six through 10 all corn state, North Carolina, central Norfolk state, North Carolina, A&T and Tennessee state. If you look at the media poll, uh, there were 18 voters, 18 voters, There were actually nine first-place votes for South Carolina State, but Bowie State got five more points. Bowie State had eight first-place votes. So it went Bowie State, number one, South Carolina State, number two, Jackson State got one first-place vote, number three, Florida A&M, number four, Albany State, number five, six through ten, Prairie View A&M, Alabama A&M, Savannah State, Corn State, and Fayetteville State. I think when you have a final vote, you generally vote – the champion is different, and in this case, it was a different scenario. I think you vote who the top 10 teams were throughout the course of the season. I think this was a little bit different because of the magnitude of the celebration bowl and what, Jackson, and what South Carolina State was actually able to do. So you can check all of this out on our website at BoxToRow.com. Again, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Up next, South Carolina State. Head football coach,
0: Buddy Pugh, will join us. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to, Box to, to Row. Box to, Box to Row. Box to Row.
3: The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip, the neighborhood original.
2: Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina, served in total wine all over North Carolina, fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia, weaver street market in raleigh durham carborough and hillsborough you can also purchase in durham at zwelly's salt box sam's bottle shop and bull mccabe's and in greensboro at elm street lounge and cooper's ale house
4: now back to from the press box to press row with Donald
5: ware
2: promised, and again, 20 seasons, 20 seasons, as the head football coach at South Carolina State is Buddy Pew. Of course, the Bulldogs' big win in the Celebration Bowl, 31-10 over Jackson State. Bulldogs, once again, national champions, HBCU national champions for the first time since 2009 as Buddy Pugh joins us here on Box to Row. Coach Pugh, congratulations. Welcome back to the program.
6: Thanks a bunch, Don. It's good to be here.
2: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, t- just talk about it. I mean, what was – take us through Saturday when that final horn sounded and you guys thoroughly beat Jackson State. Just your thoughts, first of all, on the performance.
6: Well, uh, I thought we played really well, especially on the defensive side. Uh, we went into the game thinking that we had to keep them from getting easy scores. Uh not in the kicking game, not on short fields from from our offensive side of the ball. Then at that point, then our defense we thought would be, you know, pretty dominant, or at least at least even see even Stevens for those guys. And you know that was pretty much the case. Uh, we just kind of kept, you know, just kind of along, not doing much on offense, just kind of being what South Carolina State is. We're not ever really great, you know, on offense, but we sometimes be decent. But you know, we didn't have anything going much, and then all of a sudden. You know, in about the, uh, I guess, last three, four minutes of the first half, you know, we get a turtle with our mighty goal line, and we get it in. And we kick it back to them and, and get them stopped and, and and get it down and get a field goal. So if we go from being down 7 nothing with oh less than five minutes to go in the first half to up 10-7, you know, going into the first half, you know, we were, you know, feeling as good as you could be, you know, about ourselves. So...
2: Yeah, it, it, it was a good deal. It was the, the stop. It, 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 take us through the stop. You, you, the score was tied. They were driving. Not a, it wasn't just a stop. It was a turnover there uh, that really thwarted the drive, and r- it really could have been the key uh, to the football game. From that point, you guys just went and moved forward, and you know pretty much dominated that football game.
6: Yeah, you you're exactly right. The the turnover. Um, was really the, I guess, the impetus for our entire offensive input, output. And then from there, you know, we seemed to get the momentum in a way where, you know, it kind of caught them off guard a little bit. So we get into the half and uh, and get back out in the second half. And I tell you what else, too, Darla, our punter was really good in that game. Uh, he had two or three big uh, uh, field uh, uh, turnovers, uh, flippers. And, uh, when you flip the field with, you know, with a team, you know, in big games like this, I think it was just even that much more demoralizing, you know, to your opponent. So we down close to our goal line, you know, he punched the ball all the way into the other end zone, you know, that kind of stuff. So, you know, we end up doing that in the second half again, but in the second half we get, you know, a a punt back down close to their goal line, and then they get the football and turn it over. And uh, the one thing that we could say about – uh the sanders kid the quarterback from from jackson was he was good but he was still a freshman and you know there are times when you know those young guys that way you know get a little bit of a you know happy foot kind of syndrome you know and when you're putting some pressure on them and you know that kind of got him there for you know the first part of the second the second half and then from there you know we were able to go ahead and kind of almost put the football game away yep
2: buddy pew in his 20th season as the head football coach at South Carolina State joins us here on Box to Row, Corey Fields. I mean, <laughs> it's you know, it's interesting because you mentioned, and I, I remember talking with you about this before the A&T game and the pregame show. And you, you talked about and you just said it, hey, sometimes our offense just is just enough. But I mean, he did I mean four touchdowns in the game. You know, he completed 12 passes out of 31 attempts. Those four touchdowns were huge. Three of them to Shaq Davis. Speak to Corey Fields's play.
6: Yeah, um, and you know he was kind of semi-owned. Uh, he went through the first half, you know, thinking that you know that he was going to, uh, you know, be you know pretty much the the, the main cog in our whole offense. And
0: <clears throat>
6: up to the point where we got the last little touchdown, he hadn't done anything. So you know I was concerned. And, uh, you know, his timing was off a little bit. They were, you know, asking all kinds of questions. The press was, you know, at the half when we were getting ready to, uh, the commentators were, we go in for the half. You know, they want to know, what are you going to tell Corey at half? What are you gonna, I, well, I'm going to tell him to settle down and to, you know, let's see if we can just kind of see if we can figure things out a little bit better, see if we can time it out better. But, you know, he was actually, you know, pretty calm in the, at halftime. The, the big problem was we were losing bodies. Uh, we were down to like our sixth running back and you know, we've lost a lot of guys during the season, you know, this this between COVID and 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 different kinds of, of concussions and injuries and that kind of stuff, it's almost like the inevitable that we'll always lose the next guy. And so we go in at the half and they tell me our running backs are down. So, you know, I'm trying to figure out exactly how we put off as a team together, coming back out for the second half, except for we are ahead. so that's the only thing we had going good for us so he was happy you know he felt like he was okay and you know we were back to the old motto don't try just don't lose the game on offense let's see if we can just kind of do what we can and put it back to them and let them let our defense kind of do something to make something happen for us.
2: Did you feel like either coming into this game or was there a point in the game when you felt like this was going to be a really special game for your defense?
6: Well yeah, when they go, when they went with the, uh, with the no back attack, you know, somewhere in the middle of the third quarter,
0: <clears throat>
6: excuse me, from that point on, you know, I thought that you know that this might be a good thing for us, you know, we didn't necessarily have to worry about playing the run, we just kind of wanted to play the pass and could ca- could ca- rush the pass and so we kind of wrecked us a in that way, so you know that was kind of when we kind of felt like I kind of felt like that, you know, that things had turned you know, in a direction that was more, you know, leaning toward us. But, you know, before that, Donald, you know, these guys were so explosive, I and mean, they got a couple, you know, great skill guys, that, those wide receiver guys and, and a running back or two, and, 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 and the uh, Sanders boy I can throw it now. So, you know, there was always a concern, but at the same time, I was a little less concerned with them actually being consistently able to drive the football on us, you know, in the empty personnel.
2: Buddy P, the head football coach at South Carolina State, joins us here on the program. You've been doing this tw- – you've been the head coach, I should say, uh, for 20 years at South Carolina State. First time making it to the Celebration Bowl. You look at, you know, Deion Sanders, the, the career that he had in the National Football League. It's its second season as the head football coach at Jackson State. A lot of the headlines were about uh, Deion Sanders and a lot less about you, quite frankly, with all – that you've done as the head coach at South Carolina State. I mean, coming in, you know, does that kind of stuff? Does that kind of stuff bother you a bit?
6: Uh, not really. And it, you know, it's one thing for the press uh, to snub you because you know it's their job to write the story, you know, and whatever is going to be, you know, the best angle for them to be able to sell the most in airspace, space uh, to, to write the, you know, the story that's going to create the most excitement you know, make people want to read more, then, you know, then you got to have that. That's just how it works. But but what I, what concerned us was the fact that we didn't feel like their team, you know, was was quite as respectful, you know, as we would have liked. And, you know, any time you go into a game, you never know, you know, but even the teams that are lower-level teams in our league, you know, we try to make sure that we always respectful to them because you never know when those guys are going to muster up a good game and come out and beat you, you know. And the next thing is then you've got to figure out exactly how to explain to yourself why you let your guard down that way. So, you know, I think that, you know, it would have been fun to, uh, to get to know their team better. Um, when you go into a game such as this, into a bowl game such as this, you know, you do get opportunities to have, you know, different occasions where you're in the same venue for, you know, banquets and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I would have liked to have known them better after we had gone through that week together.
2: After the game, in a private moment, do you have mm-hmm. that kind of let your hair down, we beat them to death kind of moment?
6: No. No, okay. we didn't. And we never do. You know, it's you know I think it was obvious that we got at them pretty good. But at the same time, uh, you know, it was more or less us just being happy with the fact that we had won the football game. But as far as us going – you know, we going to beat your butt back, or we have beat your butt, yeah, if we do that kind of stuff. No, don't. You know, it's a, 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 a fun thing to win with class, I think, more than anything else. And, you know, we want to try to make sure that we do everything we can to not embarrass another group of people, another ki- a group of kids, another football team that way, because these years roll by real fast, and the shoe will be on another foot, you know, real soon. So you want to make sure you do a good job of being respectful in every way you can to a team
2: couple of last thoughts, <clears throat> tear in your eye after the game when you went over to shake uh, Coach Sanders' hand. T- tell us, just take us through the emotion uh, of winning that game and, and the, the just the emotion you had afterwards.
6: Well, you think about the things that you go through in your particular situation more than you thinking about, you know, the actual relationship you have with these guys. You know, what you do is you go over and you shake the hand you know, you wish him luck, you know, you say good game and, the, and, you know, and that kind of stuff. So you kind of move on in that regard. But the real, the most apart for me is thinking about all of what we've been through, all of what our team's been through, all the early mornings and that kind of stuff that we've had to, you know, get ourselves up and get prepared, you know, from the whole year. We played 16 games all this year. We played uh, four in the spring and 12 in the, and 12 in the fall. I mean, it's been a long year. And, uh, you know, these guys have sacrificed a bunch to you know, to get to where we got to that uh, that last Saturday evening. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that are going that are running through my mind, you know, as we're going through, you know, the very last uh stages of the uh of the affair this past Saturday.
2: Miak not dead after all, huh?
6: Not quite. Uh we still <laughs> hanging in there and uh, as long as South Carolina State's around You know, you can pretty much bet that we'll fight it out. But I'm going to tell you what, our league was pretty much even. We beat almost all those teams, you know, in our league, and we were undefeated in our league by about three points per game. How about that deal? So (coughs) there was not a lot of difference between. Any of our teams yesterday would have been somewhat similar, I think, to what we were against Jackson yesterday. So it's only six of us now, but, you know, those six of us, I guarantee you, are working as hard you know, added as anybody, and I think we'll continue to fight it out as far as, you know, the celebration blow, and other time we get a chance to mix it up with those out-of-conference bowl.
2: Last thought, Coach Pugh, we appreciate the time. Buddy Pugh, the head football (laughs) coach at South Carolina State. So, Rod Broadway of A&T wins the whole thing. Uh, A&T goes undefeated in 2017. Uh, Come January 18, he announces his retirement. Does Buddy Mm. Pugh ride off into the sunset after this one?
6: I don't think so. (laughs) I'm going to try to see if I can coach a while longer. Uh, Rod is a lucky man. He can do, you know, what he's done in a way where, you know, I think we all kind of, you know, a little bit jealous. But at the same time, you know, I don't know what else i do. I'm kind of stuck in this role right here of being a football guy. You know, every day I like coming to work and and watching film. I'm sitting here right now watching tape, you you know, of some of the pro games from this past weekend. So. I just enjoy watching this doggone game go from day to day. So I think I'm going to try to see if I can coach for another couple of years and deal with the kids and, 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 uh, and, and, the, and have the relationships that we have as we coach football.
2: Absolutely. Well, you heard it right here, 2022. Buddy Pugh back for his 21st season as the head football coach at South Carolina State right now, enjoying being HBCU national champs. South Carolina State with the victory 31-10 to over Jackson State in the Celebration Bowl. Buddy Pugh joining us here on box to row once again coach pew congratulations merry christmas to you and your family happy new year and we'll talk with you in 2022 same to you guys buddy pew the head football coach of south carolina state joining us here on box to row up next we begin our year end review for 2021 Merry Christmas to you and yours. This is the final edition of the Boxer Road Blitz for 2021. I'm Donald Ware. I'm going to take you to Atlanta, Georgia for the Celebration Bowl between South Carolina State and Jackson State. In essence, the HBCU National Championship on the line. We're going to pick things up with Jackson State driving midway through the first quarter with no score
4: shotgun snap sanders sanders quick throw out in the flat it is caught touchdown jackson Log. state Shadur sanders to
2: keith corbin from seven yards out and the tigers took the seven to nothing lead it would remain seven to nothing until late in the second quarter jackson state with possession of the football
4: in its own end sanders back to pass sanders in trouble Sand is going to be wrapped up and brought down. Fumble the football. It's recovered for South Carolina State
2: at the two yard line. Patrick Goldbolt forced the fumble. The recovery made by BJ Davis and South Carolina State was in business. The question was. Could the Bulldogs capitalize?
4: Shotgun formation now for the Bulldogs. Corey back to pass. Corey throws a slant. It's got touchdowns. South Carolina State. Zach Davis with the catch into the end zone.
2: Bulldogs tied the game at seven apiece. SCSU wasn't done before the half. As a matter of fact, gaining three points on a Gavin Zimmerman 26-yard field goal to take the 10-7 halftime lead. Vince In the third quarter, the Bulldogs' defense continuing to play well, giving the offense an
4: opportunity. Shotgun snap. Corey throws it up for Shaq Davis. Touchdown! (laughs) South Carolina State, Shaquan Davis from 16 yards out. the Bulldogs extend their lead. 16 for South Carolina State,
2: 7 for Jackson State. The extra point made it 17 Two seven continuing in the third quarter. South Carolina State's defense stayed hot and its offense was
4: just getting warmed up. Back to pass court. Pressure coming gotta Let it go. Throws it out there. Caught touchdown. Richard bailey South Carolina State from 16 yards out. For South Carolina State, it's 23 for the Bulldogs. Seven for Jackson
2: State. And a point after touchdown coming. The extra point was good. Made it 24 to 7 late in the third quarter. The Tigers would get a 32-yard field goal by Rayborn Bailey to pull to within two possessions at 24-10. Now I'm going to take you into the fourth quarter with about 6-15 remaining. And South Carolina State trying to finish a long drive.
4: Play action fake, Corey. Going long, dialing it up long. It is caught. Touchdown, South Carolina State. Shaq Davis pulls it down in the end zone from 16
2: yards out. 31-10 to was the score. Now, we're going to go to the waning seconds of the game.
4: And the clock will wind down, and South Carolina State wins the 2021 Cricket Celebration Bowl in fine fashion. The Bulldogs win it. 31-10 over Jackson State.
2: That was my man, Ernest Robinson, along with Bill Hamilton on the South Carolina State Bulldog football radio network. On Monday, the HBCU coaches and media polls, the final polls, were released. In the coaches' poll, South Carolina State named HBCU national champions, while in the media poll, Bowie State was named... HBCU national champion 2021 has been a really good year for us here at box to row. We want to thank you the listener for listening to the box to row blitz each and every week. We want to thank the radio stations for carrying the box to row blitz each and every week. We've been doing the box to row blitz since 2005 for one last time. From the press box to press row, the radio show airs weekly on radio stations across the country, as well as Fridays, 7 p.m. Eastern. That's 4 p.m. Pacific time on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM to listen to the show. Or for more information, log on to BoxToRow.com. We're back here on Box to Row. Merry Christmas to you and yours in the last segment joined by South Carolina State head football coach Buddy Pugh on the program. In the first segment talked about the Bulldogs victory over Jackson State and the HBCU national champions. If you've missed any part of this show, of course you can all or any show for that matter, you can always log on to our website at boxtarow.com to take a listen to the archived shows. Okay. We're going to kick things off now with our year-end review show and going back to the month of January, we kicked things off in January as we were joined by Joe Taylor, former head football coach at Howard, at Hampton, at Virginia Union and at Florida A&M, now a member of the college football playoff selection committee
7: well first of all it's a very prestigious committee uh i'm honored i received a call from bill hancock uh just before the holidays uh to see what my interest would be and certainly uh i told him that uh it would be very you know to be inside of the room at the table and kind of see how all of it go in terms of the analytics Because, you know, the the real responsibility comes from uh, selecting the top 25 each week during the season, but then at the end we will get together in a secluded uh, hotel someplace out in Texas, and uh, we will decide on who will be the the final four uh, to compete uh, as you know, last year, of course, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Clemson and o- o- Ohio State were the final four. So that's the main responsibility. And again, I'm excited and looking forward. And uh, I thought I had finished watching film, but I guess I'm not.
2: <laughs> Joe Taylor on his selection to the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. Also joining us in January, probably long overdue. Rudy Hubbard was the head football coach at Florida A and M. Led the Rattlers to the first ever one double A football championship. Finally, was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, and he talked with us about it right here on Box to Row. Well,
5: you know, I'm I'm, I'm overexcited, man. I I really was uh caught off guard, totally caught off guard, because I was of the opinion that most times uh those kinds of awards are, are done leading up to the football season. And since the season was about to end, you know, I, I wasn't even thinking about Hall of Fame being, uh, I thought this year's Hall of Fame group would be over. But uh, I nobody sent me a notice or anything. I didn't get a phone call. And so all of a sudden I got a box. I opened the box and it had the Football Hall of Fame had a letter in there that I had been uh, selected for this year's class. And, man, I tell you, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was a mistake. <laughs> so
8: I couldn't wait to call the number that
5: they had in there. And then they explained to me that I uh, talked about it, looked at it, called several other people about it, and they decided it was time for me to go in. So they really didn't have to go through a whole big process that they normally would go through. So I was overly excited, man. I'm really – I hadn't come down yet.
2: Rudy Hubbard. Now we're going to move to the month of February, and we were joined by former North Carolina Central star Ryan Smith, who was part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl championship team. And Ryan Smith after the Super Bowl. Joined us on Box to Row.
9: My feeling, um like I said, it's it, it's it's amazing. It's a feeling that I never ever experienced or had before. Um me telling you how I felt won't even it won't even justify the, the real feel, like the feel that I had that I still have. Um I'm living it up right now, man, it's just a blessing. Um I definitely got that interception to definitely feel the game it was old after that, man. I just ran on the field and it's, I just started rolling around. It was, it's been a long season. It's been a tough year and to finish like that, man, it's, it's definitely a blessing.
2: So, you gotta tell me about the boat parade, man. Like, what, what was that like?
9: Man, when I say that was the best experience of my life, I'm still like, smiling about yesterday. Like, it's it was so crazy, and it was the last minute because I think at first the parade was supposed to be on Friday or Saturday, but the um, A said, "You know, nobody gonna be here, so we gotta do Wednesday, or we can't do it." So we we found out about the parade Tuesday, Tuesday midday, and so for them to put all that together in such short notice, in the time that we had on the boat, like people, everybody was just having time of their lives, like didn't have, didn't have a care in the world what happened. It just we're going to live in this moment. And that was the best time ever. Like, I never had that much fun in my life. Ever.
2: Ever. It was so fun. Ryan Smith talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning that Super Bowl and how much fun it was. Of course, Smith now with the Los Angeles Chargers. Continuing in the month of February, had a chance to catch up. With Florida State head men's basketball coach Leonard Hamilton joined us on Box to Row, talked about his relationship with the late John Thompson. Well, John Thompson
10: specifically, I knew John Chaney very well. We talked occasionally, but I have an unbelievably close relationship with John Thompson, and he probably has much to do with my career as any, anybody at all leading, God, me, and once. I got to be a head coach. I leaned on him for his advice. Whenever I had issues that I felt I needed some matured advice, I would always call him. I had him on speed dial, and he he was always uh, instrumental in leading and guiding me and giving me the the benefit of the wisdom that he had gained through his years of experience. And so there's nobody in coaching that benefited more from the, the, the mentorship uh, that John Thompson gave than, than, than Leonard Hamilton. And I'm so appreciative. And there I can never do anything to
2: honor him uh, I'm on it you know for you we're here in the state of North Carolina, you're from Gastonia for those that don't know, Leonard Hamilton is from Gastonia, so with in I don't think a lot of people know I mean when Gastonia had a community college, started a basketball program, you were one of the first athletes, first black assistant. At Kentucky, first black athlete, I believe it was athlete, not just basketball player at UT Martin. Can you speak to and, and where we are in terms of Division One basketball, where it's getting it's a lot better than where it was in terms of black coaches. But some of the uh, you've obviously been mentored by some. But can you speak to how you've also passed along uh, now you're a mentor to some of the uh, black coaches that are coming along in Division One men's basketball.
10: Well, I've been very fortunate in my career to have had some very unique, and special opportunities, and, and you know I've had so many people along the way help me, and so I'll try to be available, to not only the, the, the black coaches but whoever else I can help. I have a lot of guys that have, have come under my tree. Bill Self being one of them. Uh, he was one. I, I, He's I gave him his first assistant job when I was at, 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 at Oklahoma State. But uh, in this day and time, you know, and I've been this, this is kind of a small world, you know, we, you have people help you and you try to help other people. That's been my motto. And, and Someone said that, you know, a true test of a man's importance is how much does he help someone else who is less fortunate. And that's always been my motto.
2: Leonard Hamilton. Moving to the month of March. Johnny Jones, the head men's basketball coach at Texas Southern, joined us on the program. Texas Southern winning another SWAC tournament championship. And we had a chance to talk with Coach Jones.
8: I certainly appreciate it. Exciting time for us and the program. And uh, I think we're trying to do everything we can to represent our great university, our community, and the city in which we live. Uh, And at the same time, our great conference that we are certainly affiliated with.
2: No question about it. Of course, Texas Southern in the heart of the big city of Houston. So, uh, your thoughts the victory 60 to 52 over Mount St. Mary's. As I mentioned, tennis, uh, Texas Southern does it again, winning another game in the NCAA tournament.
8: Yes, I, I thought it was uh, big for us. You know, one, uh, winning the uh, conference championship, having an opportunity to cut those nets down and know that we've punched our ticket to get to the nSA tournament. And you know the caliber of competition that you're going to have to face once you get here, filled of 68, and having a chance to play. So it, was, it had been exciting for us. And then the, to be able to get out there on that floor and for guys to play at the level that they did there in the second half, staying focused, uh, was certainly exciting uh, for us. And uh, because you know going in, Uh, everybody's not counting you in, but we knew those guys in the locker room felt uh, that if they played at a certain level that there was an opportunity for them to possibly have some success. And to see that their hard work really paid off uh, is really, really exciting, and that's what you look forward to, Uh, just the smile and the uh, jubilation that goes along with that, especially with our, our, our players.
2: Texas Southern head men's basketball coach Johnny Jones. Wrapping up the month of March, we had a gymnast, UCLA gymnast, Mark Zetta Frazier, joined us here on Box to Row, talked with us about an admirer, a famous admirer, that she had after a spectacular floor routine.
11: I can't think of how many times people have really met their legitimate heroes and icons in life. The fact that I met her And she spoke to me in a way that was so endearing and personal and saying that not only do I inspire her, but I brought her to tears that really, it only felt like a storybook to me. That's something that people write down in their journal before they go to bed as like a dream that they're manifesting to happen. Like, that's not things, that's a fairy tale. It's magical what happened and I just feel... Like that was really the universe, God telling me I'm on the right path and to just continue to be myself and to make people smile, not work too hard at it, but just bring joy by doing me and the fact that Janet Miss Jackson I hate calling adults by so Miss <laughs> Jackson reached out to me. Personally, I cannot express how much gratitude that I feel. It's impossible for me to put it into words.
2: UCLA gymnast Margzetta Frazier. It's our 2021 year-end review show here on Box to Row. I'm your host, Donald Ware. In the next segment, we're going to replay some of the great conversations we had from the months of April, May, and June. Hello, my name is
1: Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Tim roll founder of Marjorie's Future Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every 1 million orders that we receive, our company is giving $2 million away to the bottom of 400 of our paid customers. You see, that's the way we roll! So come place an order at www.MarjorieSpeakJerky.com. That's www.MarjorieSpeakJerky.com. Marjorie's beef jerky is the best tasting beef jerky on this planet! Marjorie's beef jerky! Dot com. Yeah, that's right, because that's the way we roll.
0: Alright, enough selling stuff already. Let's talk more sports as we bring you the very best from the press box to press row. Here's your host, Donald Ware.
2: We're back here on Box to Row. It's our year-end review show, taking a look, listen back, some of the conversations we had in 2021. Let's pick up. In the month of April, Dawson Odoms was hired by Norfolk State as its new head football coach. Dawson Odoms leaving Southern had a chance to talk with him about why this opportunity at Norfolk State was a good opportunity for him and ultimately what happened at Southern.
12: You know, really, I was never looking for a job. I just took my time and wanted to finish out the season. I thought we had a championship team uh, here at Southern, and then uh, it didn't work out. Got to the end of the season and talked to Norfolk State. Uh, just listened to them and wanted to hear them out. And they expressed that they wanted me to be their head coach. And to me, that is important. It's important uh, to be wanted, and it's important to to make sure that you do things the right way. And I just felt like it was the right time. I felt like this job was available for Dawson Odom. Why else would it be, and why would they be calling me? So I just thought it was in God's timing that that I go to Norfolk State and hopefully that we can continue to do the things the right way and continue to build a program and grow it to where we think it can go.
2: No question. So obviously they reached out uh, to you. Were you, I mean, were you satisfied at Southern? Were you happy? I mean, I can think going back, you know, a couple of years ago, first hearing some rumblings uh, from the Southern alumni, which I I, I really didn't understand I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's college football. It's competitive. Some years, teams are just going to be better than you are. The last couple of years, Alcorn State was just the class of the swag. I mean, you know, it was a couple of years where Gramlin beat you a couple of times. But in at the end of the day, uh, you won six out of nine Bayou Classic. So were, were were you happy? Were there some rumblings? What what was going on there at Southern?
12: Well, I don't know if it was a, a level of happiness or or disappointment or sadness. It's just that I'm a humble guy. I'm going to give you everything I got. And sometimes we come up short. But I think as a as a person and the man that I am, I realize that if I can't take somewhere where they want to go, I'm, a, I'm smart enough and in my beliefs to be able to remove myself so that it can continue to grow. I just think that it was a great opportunity that was presented to me at Norfolk State. And I couldn't pass up on it. Uh, I don't think it had anything to do with with, with winning or those things at Southern University. Sometimes uh, it just doesn't work. But I'm happy that, that I had this chance while I was winning and, and didn't have to go through losing to discover that it was time to go. So I'm really happy with my decision. I'm excited about the next opportunity because I really think Norfolk State is committed. To becoming a champion and when you got when you're working at a place that's committed you got a chance to really be successful and that's what i'm excited about and i can't wait till the journey begins
2: and not a bad journey for dawson odoms and norfolk state finished with a winning season and had an opportunity to be MiAC champions in 2021 continuing in the month of april we had a history maker on the program Bianca Belair at that time challenging Sasha Banks for the WWE Women's Championship. And of course, the significance of that, the first time in WWE history that two black women would battle for the championship and had a chance to catch up with Bianca Belair to talk with her about what that moment meant and also about her career.
1: It's it's an amazing feeling. Uh, the best word I could say is I just feel blessed, like super blessed, uh, not even just lucky. I just feel blessed uh, to, to know that I'm going into WrestleMania to face Sasha Banks, who is the boss, the blueprint, the standard. She is all of those things. And I'm able to, you know, being in WWE, your dream is to make it to WrestleMania, to be in WrestleMania. And the fact that I'm going there, I'm going to be on the grandest t- stage of them all with Sasha Banks. It's amazing. And knowing that, you know, WrestleMania is already just—it's the biggest event of the year. You know, how do you, how can you possibly make WrestleMania even bigger? It's just like, well, creating history at WrestleMania, and that's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going there to, uh, to WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two Black females to have a title match at WrestleMania, which is amazing. And I always say, representation is not a—it's re- not a request; it's a requirement. And we aren't, we, you know, we're going there to try to become, I'm going there to try to become SmackDown Miss champion, but it's, it's more than just creating a moment and becoming a champion just by us standing in the ring. We are representation for women, We're re- re- representation for black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that be that person and be on that platform and the greatest of them all and, and be able to create history. It's just, it's an honor, um, and I just can't wait to be in that moment and finally be in front of fans. We're getting fans back for the very first time in over a year. We'll have 25,000 fans each night. Um, just being able to be on that platform with Sasha Banks, it's its its going to be a magical night. And to be able to create history and be representation, it just brings so much more purpose to WrestleMania.
2: No question. You know, a couple of years ago, I had Alexa Bliss on the show. I asked her, well, how does one go from being a cheerleader in college <laughs> to... WWE and at the top of the game. So I'm going to ask you the same question. How does one go from being a track star to WWE?
1: I ran track in college. I did CrossFit. I did gymnastics, tumbling, soccer, almost every sport in the book. And I'm not any of those things right now, but those things led me to where I am now, you know, track and CrossFit and Mark Henry discovered me doing a CrossFit. All of those things led to where I am now. So it's all about moving forward, um, and I always say, whenever, uh, what, what's gonna be for you is, is gonna be for you. And no one can take that away, but you have to make sure that you put yourself in a position where when that opportunity presents itself that you're prepared for it. So I always say, you never know who's watching you. So you always gotta show up and show out even when you don't think anyone's watching you because I was doing CrossFit and I had no idea Mark Kimmy was gonna see a video of me, but I, I, I was showing up and I was showing out. I was moving forward. I was trying new things. For me, I didn't know that wrestling was my dream. And so I had to just keep moving forward and opening myself up, making sure I was available for for any opportunity that came my way. And that's what happened for me. And Mark, when Mark Henry contacted me and asked me had I ever thought of being a WWE wrestler, you know, I, I was like, this is either too good to be true or this is the perfect fit for me. But he also was was very adamant on I can get you a tryout, but I cannot get them to hire you. I can't get them to like you. You have to do that. You have to do that for yourself. So... For me it was just, you know, this is the opportunity and I have to move forward and I have to I have to go in it and give 100%. For some people, you know, they, they knew that wrestling was their dream and so they, they they just stuck with it and they kept going for they kept going after it no matter what. For me it was just something where I say you just keep moving forward. Just always keep moving forward. You never whatever direction you go, you want to go forward because you're eventually going to get to your destination and whatever's going to be for you is going to be for you and it will find you, but you have to be ready for that opportunity.
2: The EST of WWE was also All-American track star at the University of Tennessee. Continuing, in the month of April, had a chance to catch up with then-interim Atlanta Hawks head coach Nate McMillan here on Box to Row. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, no question you have respect, for, as you mentioned, for the Indiana organization, gave you an opportunity to coach once again after 5 years. But I mean with that said, were you surprised to be let go after receiving the extension? You had one more year on the contract. It was COVID plus your best player uh went down. I mean you've been in the business a long time. Still, I mean it was a lot of factors uh that went into that and, and you still were uh were let go.
7: Yeah,
5: of of course I was uh surprised uh, by that uh decision, but you know, things like that happen in the NBA. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, I had just signed an extension a month prior to that. Uh, we go into the playoffs and, uh, we get swept, uh, in, 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 um, uh, the playoffs by Miami, a team that eventually went on to reach the finals. Uh, they was playing great basketball and injuries are a part of it. It's a part of the game. You know, you have to, uh, have that next man up mentality. Uh, we just didn't have enough to uh, compete uh, or win a game against Miami, and uh, you know Indiana's organization decided that, look, they wanted to go in a different direction, and uh, that happens uh, in this league, and uh, you have to move on from
2: that. Nate McMillan had the interim tag removed, now the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, and led the Hawks to the Eastern Conference Finals. Lastly, in the month of May had a chance to catch up with Raymond Chester, the great Raymond Chester, and talked with him, asked him a direct question. Why isn't Raymond Chester in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? I
3: I don't know. I don't know, Donald. Uh I think the thing one of the things is that really um, I'm most I'm proud of is that um, if you look at those numbers and whatever, Donald, I am, I average fourteen yards a catch. And I think in my career, I think I missed uh, maybe three games, and certainly started. You know, ninety percent of that career, I was a starter. So uh, that's what I'm most proud of. But and as well as the people I played against, I just think the way they they compare it, they compare it is certainly skewed. It, you know, it's it's uh, certainly it's the, the the people who played in those eras should have a lot more to say about it with respect to. Who they regarded as the top players and whatever. I think it should have a whole lot to do with how the person was re- was regarded by their teammates and their competitors. their character, the character of a guy, what the guy did after football and whatever. We're talking the Hall of Fame now. We're talking the thing that you know you hold this shiny object up and say, "Behold, you know this is one of our finest representatives." Of our league, you know, of of our sport, you know, of of his his, his college and of the game, uh, a lot of things should go into that. I think there certainly are a lot of guys that are that are being overlooked.
2: The great Raymond Chester. Listen, that's all the time that we have for today. But don't fret. On next week's box to row, we're going to take a listen back to the great conversations from June through December, right here on. Box to Row listen continue to have a wonderful Christmas Merry Christmas have a safe holiday and I'm going to talk with you next week right here on Box to Row you missed any of our conversations over the years any of our shows log on to our website boxtoro.com and always remember to support those that support. Yo, Box Tarot is produced by D Doubles Communications.